0: On this episode, I have Matt Eichmann on, the owner of Abracadabra Environmental Services. Matt is a very intelligent guy, and I really enjoyed speaking with him. He has a lot of great ideas and is just a great overall mind in the pest and wildlife space. I hope you enjoy this, and I hope you can bring some value to your business from it. What's up, man? Not much, dude look at those bucks in the background are you a hunter i am nice well you got way bigger deer than we do <laughs> we
1: got some big ones
0: they got to survive the winter so they got
1: to be hardy too but no i grew up archery hunting and uh, still a lot of black powder hunting as well so my dad tried to keep us out of the woods when everyone and their brother had a shotgun walking around so
0: Yep, That was my childhood as well. BB gun at five years old, a gun, a real gun in my hand by 10 years old. And, uh, that's why I'm, that's why I'm into wildlife control. Right. So, yeah, it's kind of funny. Um,
1: so that like all of my three brothers as well. And that's like kinda when my, my father-in-law first started talking to, to me, and my then girlfriend now wife about taking over the company like he he did have some vision as far as that goes which um yeah it's kind of kind of funny that it all actually worked out
0: that's awesome so your dad started the company
1: uh, my father-in-law so my wife's dad he started okay. it um with a partner uh Sorry, I don't know if you just want to jump into this if you're trying to do some intro or something here. No, no, uh, go ahead. Yeah, so so he worked for a local company for hmm, close to 10 years, I think. And then him and a partner split off, um, started their own company. Within a year, they had a business divorce and uh, both kind of had their own entities and abracadabra. the name kind of changed at that point from abracadabra Pest Control to abracadabra Environmental Services, um, but other than other than that little change, the business kind of stayed the same. And then it was just a, a one one man show, I guess, too, because my mother in law was very involved at that point as well with phones and routing and all that. Um, but that's kind of what it was for the first thirteen, fourteen years before I got through high school and college and had a lot of free time on my hands. Um, I was playing, I was playing baseball in college and I had tore my, um, tore a ligament in my elbow, uh, my sophomore year. So I had an extra year of eligibility in my, my fifth, so my fifth year I had, I had baseball and then I had, um, one class for one hour a week, that was it. So I had a lot of free time um, and student loans around the horizon. So I kind of just started working with my father-in-law a little bit at that point um, just to stay busy and make a little bit of money. Um, And kind of fell in love at that point. It's really just customer service, controlling my own time. And I saw the value of the recurring business model that pest control has um didn't really know anything to do with it but i was gonna run with it and see what happened
0: and were were you guys doing wildlife then or just pest? so um
1: so the first actual job i went and help my father-in-law on was uh it was a bat uh, it, was, it was a bat job so technically that's wildlife right but um kind of did it how pest control companies do wildlife um it, it wasn't an effective eviction by any means um, i was just i was a college kid that could move around doing some sketchy stuff so um quickly learned that like wildlife was totally different business and um it it was harder it wasn't like math or science like pest controls like you, you put this here. You apply this product here, and then you have dead things, right? The stuff dies. What, like, what? That's pretty much the process for pest control wildlife. There's a lot more. Um, like, you got to play chess with a live animal almost. And if you don't have any experience, you think you're just going to throw a trap up. They make you feel really dumb really fast. And I didn't like feeling that way. <laughs> yeah, so, um, I
0: always tell. I always tell people wildlife is like art or like playing a musical instrument with a band you've never played with. Yeah. i probably sent him. I don't
1: know. Felt like over a hundred grand in wildlife work over that winter where we were like struggling to, to drive revenue. Right. I was just waiting for the snow to melt and the sun to peek out and bugs to start being active. Um, and it and we got uh, that year first year i took it over we got the latest snow um we've ever got it was like april 18th we got like nine inches or something crazy like that um so i i felt that really hard that first year as a business owner not really um i didn't have 12 months to grow my business so that that winter had a lot of thinking time and um really got to strategize like how I was going to have success in that next season and then how the following winter I wasn't going to have the issues that I had this winter. Um, and started just networking, got got involved with Nicoa and uh, it's a great learning resource for wildlife and kind of just immersed myself into that um, type of background. I have a biology, Degree, so the animal behavior and a lot of that I understood at a pretty um, high level, and I could understand how that's important to be able to effectively eliminate the animal. Um, and just like the first two years, I pretty much took every NACOA certification I could. Um, really started just asking questions of other operators um, because wildlife is really, really, it's a new industry compared to pest control, like very new. It's like infant stages almost. Um, oh, yeah. So there's a lot of anecdotal evidence from operators that's out there, but there isn't like the science or, or the, the research that pest control has behind it. So um, all these different pest control education things were focused on not wildlife, and Nicola was kind of that, um, like small group of guys that like that's what they do. They they take care of animals and wildlife, and they're the best in the in the country at doing it in structures. Um, and I owed it a lot to to the people I met there. Pretty much all of it to the people that I met um, to just kind of allow me to learn from them um, because this industry it like it can be tough it can be really tough um and when when the resources that um you have to expand your knowledge are uh, limited um all you can go on is your own experience and that's a slow process so the value of networking and, and learning from other individuals um, like it allowed me to grow and i think over time it's going to allow the whole industry to really grow that way absolutely Yes, like, like this type of stuff what you're doing is super powerful um it's putting information out there that people can take and they can go and implement in their own business and they can start to ask questions and, and it can, can be really impactful
0: for them um so yeah so so when you got the business it was just a few people right it, so when I got the
1: business, it was my father-in-law, and then it was myself. Um, my brother, I think we had like 1099 doing some mosquito
0: work or something like that. Um, so we were tiny. Yeah, I love your brother, by the way. Talked to him quite a bit at Power. Brother. So uh, that. So my older brother is the one who was working with me. You met okay. my young Bill. Gotcha. That's right. You guys are now at how many employees? Um, we're right around 20 right now. So we to kind of
1: do some hiring for the season, really be prepared to capture, um, the
0: growth that we're going to have here once all the snow melts. Sure. So what year was it when you first got into the business? So when I first started working in the business, Um,
1: That was 2014, that was May of 2014. And then I actually took the company over um, in April of
0: 2017. So you guys have been busy growing. So what would you say, it sounds like wildlife was a big part of that growth, Um, but what would you say were some of the things that you did to grow at those 18 people? Um,
1: you know, that's a great question, Kyle. That's why you do these things. Um, really um, just failing really fast as a young business owner, um, failing fast and being willing to, to, to try things and, and understand it might not be, the, the best end goal, but it, it's better than doing nothing. So just creating, um, activity and connection for myself with other people who were business owners. Um, I was just out of college. So I was super green and I didn't know anything. I was going to school for biology. So i like being, I had to learn the industry and then I had to learn business at the same time um so i found that the best way for me to learn is through connecting directly with other other people um so first started with connecting with a lot of local business owners and just trying to learn like hey how do i make sure that i'm doing this right right that i'm I'm, i've got the right s corp llc structure taking care of my finances because the last thing I need is for some some media right to come in and hit my business and have like a tax audit or or something like that. So I, I made sure I had kind of those core business building blocks established, um, and that's where I put a lot of my focus. And through that, I created relationships that helped me grow. So um, I'm a people person, so networking comes really naturally to me, and that um, the networking really created. The opportunity for me to learn and grow my business um, from a like a lead and, and a revenue standpoint, um, kind of at the same time. Um, so to answer your question, really just connecting with people locally to create learning opportunities.
0: Yeah, and you said failing fast and. I have definitely done that many, many times, right? So I've always like, I guess I kind of have a risky mindset and maybe that's just because of the environment that I grew up in. So I grew up near the beach, so fishing, surfing, skating, those uh, BMX, like a lot of, um, I played sports also, but. Like extreme sports, and you take a lot of risk when you're doing extreme sports, riding on four wheelers, and um, just doing all kinds of things that now I don't really see a lot of kids doing. <clears throat> so maybe that's why I have been a little bit bold. And I also like like if you're on a skateboard and you fall, it hurts like physically. If you're running a business and you screw up. It doesn't hurt physically uh maybe it hurts mentally but really like what's the real impact of it well now you just have more work to do really like hopefully you didn't hurt anybody you know i don't want to hurt anybody i don't want to hurt a customer i don't want to hurt employees i don't want to hurt a business partner but sometimes you the best way to learn is just to screw up through trial and error and uh, get back up you make note of what you did wrong and you correct and then you do it again and over time it just gets easier and easier to identify that's probably not a good idea this is probably a good idea and also building the resources like you did through nicoa just having a sounding board um to bounce ideas off of because there's so much information and i'm a big fan of not taking information from somebody who's not accomplished what i'm trying to accomplish right or or that has at least helped somebody accomplish what i'm trying to accomplish i want to take advice from those people not from people that have done less than me um because well they've done less than me why should i take advice from them right so um what are your thoughts on failing fast um my,
1: my thoughts are that's what is businesses need to do in order to grow quickly decisions have to be made quickly and if it's not the right one you gotta figure that out fast and make a new decision and that's okay um so it like as an athlete like in a pitcher in particular like i could see from pitch to pitch that i'd have to make an adjustment so that's like the, the processing that i had to kind of train my brain and my body to do when I was playing baseball, um, I think is really analogous to business, like processing the what's what's happening, the information that you, you're seeing play out, deciding if it's a good or bad outcome, and if it's bad or it's not ideal, what change or modification do you need to make in order to make it ideal, right? And, and then you have like, very short period of time before you have to go try to do that again Um, and that the decision-making process that kind of goes in line with failing fast like it's what allows people to learn quickly um, and make that progress in their business or their personal life whatever it may be to actually move the needle forward rather than just kind of like wallow in, in this decision, this analysis paralysis that a lot of business owners and um, people kind of find themselves in because there's a lot of information out there. And yeah. if there's no, there's no um, timeline, there's no like it must happen at this time, Parkinson's law goes into effect, which essentially means things are going to take as much time as you allow them to take. So it's like the procrastination law. Everyone writes the paper in the last two hours before it's due, rather than the two months they knew that they had it. So yeah. whatever t- expands to take up the time frame, you give it. So by creating a time frame for it, um, you speed up your activities and how your brain naturally processes it. Um, yeah. So I've kind of leveraged that. Well, I learned that um, that like universal law after somebody pointed it out to me that I'd like get the cart in front of the horse really fast and then I gotta figure it out. Um, and they mm-hmm. said that that's essentially what I was doing for myself was creating a time frame that I had I needed to get it done um, right so that kind of has worked out well for me. Um, but like failing fast happens when you understand a time frame for it. Um, uh, otherwise, like the brain and the the human psyche is just not going to, like it, it's not going to solve that problem because it doesn't have to. It's going to go
0: walk the dog or something, you know? <laughs> right. There's probably, I don't know every one of our listeners. Um, there's over a billion of them. But... Uh, there there's probably a lot of listeners who are single man operators or they just have a few employees and i talk to a lot of people in our industry every single day Uh, a lot of people are my friends we're also always looking for acquisitions and partnerships so i come across a lot of companies and get to spend a lot of time getting all of the details of their business and what's going on and probably one of the most common things that it seems that i see are people who are really 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 afraid to fail so they they do take longer to make decisions they are they might have a bad experience doing a particular thing maybe it's hiring a manager or hiring a salesperson and they try it twice and didn't work so they're not going to do it anymore and they just decide you know i'm just going to stay this size and i don't think there's anything if you want to stay small stay small okay there's nothing wrong with that if that's what you want and you're happy and you're making a good living for yourself you can make a great living for yourself doing that that's obviously not what this podcast is about this is about growth uh, and I'm obsessed with growing my business. I can't imagine not growing. Like, that's the game that I play. But I think a lot of those people, I think it's beneficial for them to hear it from someone other than me. But you're doing pretty good right now. You grew your business from two people to 20 people. And you failed. I don't know how many times. Um, no. But in those, those failures, though, it's not like filing bankruptcy. It's you tried a certain advertising campaign or a certain service price or a service offering or whatever, and that one didn't work out. I imagine it's something like that. And you go and you say, okay, well, that's not going to work. And you do something different, or maybe you try an insurance product or whatever. Like you just, you're doing different things and you find the one thing that works for your company and your market with your culture at, you know, the size that you are, and Jeff Bezos, I've heard him say in an interview, love him or hate him, he's super successful. He says that, uh, and I'm probably going to screw this up, but he says he said that his job is basically to make one good decision every day. That's his job, uh, and maybe it's two decisions. But think about that. That's uh, obviously he's doing all kinds of things, but one good decision every day. And when you think about that in our industry, within our business, one decision can actually be very impactful. You know, whether it's the wages you're offering your people, uh, benefits, um, your prices, you know, so many different things that one decision of going from A to B can be a really, really good thing for your business. It can also be a horrible thing for your business. And you may not really know. And you may not be able to get the answer from anybody else because they haven't tried it either. So well, what's the worst thing that can happen? You try, it doesn't work, and you pivot from there. It's it's okay to break things, you know, yeah. try to hurt people, and you're, you're going to be good. Um, I think that's really, really important for people to hear.
1: Yeah, I mean, so one thing that uh, Seth Garber and I talked, talk about kind of a lot is um the concept of sacred cows so like those things that are they're present they're in our business it's part of it's just part of what we do and we never really question it or try to come up with an alternative way around it and it like it very well could be that thing that's just getting in the way of the path to our growth so um we kind of Talk about just killing sacred cows in business, and um, and when you do that, and then you you remove that whatever it is as a solution for you, and now your brain has to think outside of that limitation that you had on yourself to um, come up with an alternative solution to that problem, um, whatever it may be. And I think when you do that, like. It, creates the opportunity for innovation. So when you say break things, um, like one of my tendencies is like, I try to fix stuff that maybe doesn't really need to be fixed. (laughs) And for my team that can be frustrating at times um, because there's a lot of change, but um, I've learned a lot how to manage that over time. And like looking at problems that, looking at something that a lot of people will say that's not really a problem why are you trying to change that but still trying to make it better or tweak it and look at it a different way it it creates a lot of opportunity for um innovation and doesn't mean you're always going to come up with a good idea but if you, i don't know who who said it but you if you do what you always done you get what you always got and and if you're not happy with what you're getting something's got to change somewhere so you got to go break something
0: yeah That reminds me of an old redneck joke. If it ain't broke, fix it till it is. Uh, (laughs) So, um, but yeah, and you mentioned like putting yourself, I think you said it in a different way, but putting yourself in a corner where you're forced to do something. Um, Yeah. And, you know, people say, you know, is it bad to grow too fast? Is it bad, you know, don't bite off more than you can chew. There's all these sayings out there. And I don't really know the answers, but I know that I'm going to grow as fast as I can, because if I can get from point A to point B faster, and I'm going to study that, analyze it and figure out, is this something that will work? Has anybody else done this and came out on top? Uh, Like acquisitions, for example. Uh, I pondered on that for years and probably should have done it a lot sooner, just didn't take the time to research it because I was too busy doing what I was doing, which was probably the sacred cow thing. Uh, so I think that you know, identify, you know, identify what is actually working out there right now, what is not working in my business, and is there anything that I can do differently that we're currently not doing? And when I think about growth, there's all these different things that i can do to grow the business i can change my advertising or increase my advertising or lead gen or marketing i can uh you know hire more salespeople. i can change the way we're selling we can do more inside sales and cold calls we can knock on doors we can do acquisitions um there's all these different things that i can do and really i think the answer to the question is do do all of them if you can and if you're not Just do that, just figure out how do I get all of these areas in my business um, rolling on their own. So it's just a machine out there taking advantage of. And then the other side of it is forget about bringing in new calls and new sales. What about retaining the customers that we have and repeating the business with the customers that we already have before we go out and go hunting? Did we scrape all the meat off the bones? and make sure we're utilizing all that as well and not leaving money on the table make sure our salespeople aren't leaving money on the table um, when they're submitting a proposal make sure they're doing proper inspections they're offering all the right services to the customers and then the technicians are taking care of the customers uh, which adds to reviews and referrals and all of that yeah i
1: mean a big a big part of all of it um, is like really like being serious with yourself and like setting a goal right like creating a goal like what is your ideal world what's your ideal life look like and what time frame is that? Um, and as much as we talk about goals and like all that, a lot of times, it's not really about like my life, right? My like my family. The the reason we do all this stuff, the goals, get to the different KPIs and the growth and and all that drives towards what, like so. Right, it's that. But for you, you've gone through that process where you know this is, this brings me energy. This this feeds me, um, and is gonna help me get to that place I want to be and. 10 20 20 years right so when you have like a clear vision there um then the decision making be becomes a little bit easier to make because you can look at things like does this business decision to grow or not grow get me closer to or farther from my goal for my life which is bigger than business so for being like really identifying that spending some time thinking about it. Um, could help new, like newer business owners, right? Who are kind of juggling that. Um, do I want to grow? Do I want to do these things? And they might be in that analysis paralysis, but um, work is just part of your life. And at the end of the day, like, I got to be happy. I got kids and a wife, and that's why I do everything that I do. So, like, what I do at work isn't allowing me to bring that happiness home. Um, and help us achieve our goals as a family unit it doesn't matter right so that's something that um, i mean i've been with my wife for forever so we have a pretty clear vision of where we're we're trying to to be and um, then now we just work in step to make decisions that get us closer to that and and learn as we go because you never know yeah.
0: throw it Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Reverse engineering your goals. I actually did a podcast on that. And, you know, you know, when you think about all what's what do I want the company to look like in five years or 10 years? And what do I want my own life to look like? Where do I want to live? You know, do I want to rent? Do I want to own? Do I want to show up to an office every day? Or would I rather be somewhere else and be traveling and still work? Um, there's, there's just so many different ways to, that you can build your company and, uh, you know, what, how do you want to spend your time? And I think most of us who start these businesses, and I think I've heard Seth say this before and some other people that we know, like Paul Giondemore. Um, I think that most of us, we start these companies ourselves, or we, we, it's a family business so we jump into it. But one thing a lot of people don't think about is, you are a shareholder of a privately held company. So you are a private equity investor in a private company.
1: Yeah. You that don't have
0: your, to be, huh?
1: Then put that on your LinkedIn. It makes you feel fancy when you think about
0: it like that. Yeah, I would never do that. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> I'm not trying to be fancy, but, uh, What what I was going to say is you don't have to be the CEO or the manager or the salesperson or the technician. You don't have to be any of those things if you don't want to be. You can hire for all of those things, which is certainly one way to fail fast, possibly, um, because it's going to take time to find the right people. But I think a lot of people overlook... All of the possibilities that you could do with a business in in terms of your own lifestyle. Um, And one of the big decisions that that I made in early 2020. So we sold off the majority of our company beginning of of January 2020. And so we held on to some some of it. But part of that sale and office went with it with an office staff. Mm. So I didn't really I had one office person. Now, that was our financial person. I didn't have anybody to answer the phones. So I decided we're not doing an office. We're gonna outsource our calls to a call center, which was very nerve wracking and scary, but it actually worked. But now I don't have to go into an office. All of my employees are hundreds of miles away. I never thought that that would work, but it was actually already happening it just felt different because i went into an office every day with people that answered the phones and you know had managers in the office and saw technicians on a local level but we had people far away too so even though that was the case it was still very scary to try that and i quickly realized oh i don't have to be anywhere in particular this phone right here i can run the business off of my phone I have a laptop, I can connect to my hotspot anywhere, and I can work that way. And you know, if I if I knew I could have done that when I first started the business, I probably would have done things way differently. But right. my, my biggest point is you can really decide which way you want to run your company and, and how you want it to look and what your job is going to be in the company. And I'm going to circle back around to growth faster you grow the sooner you can have those options of what you want to do in the business because you have to have enough revenue coming in that's going to kick off enough cash flow to support all of the positions that you need for your company to hire so a lot of times the you know from you going from two people to 20 people you got to have the revenue you got to have yeah. the cash flow to, to support that. And, and then, you know, and then you can, you're going to try and trying different things along the way to get there. You still got there, right? Nobody died. Um, hopefully. Yeah. And, uh, you know, maybe you had issues, but you know, it is what it is. You're always going to have issues in business. There's, there's always going to be some type of a problem. Um, it's really how you respond to the problems of what happens next.
1: hundred percent. And, uh, a response rather than a reaction, um, which kind of sound like the same thing, but a response has some thought behind it. A reaction is kind of just an emotional, like an emotional rea- reaction, right? Like you're just bringing the emotion and that it's a knee jerk off of emotion rather than like having some thought behind it and, and responding to whatever those issues are. Um, so that's, that's some good stuff there. Uh the like one of the one of the biggest things that I've had to learn um for growing my company is that uh you, you were men- mentioning cash flow. Um so like when you have cash flow you start to have capital. And access to capital is a thing that um like that is the number one limiting factor for business growth is access to that. And there's different ways to get it. You can get it through cash flow, through growing your own company. You can get it from daddy's bank account, or you can understand what financial institutions need to see in numbers and and, um, in the data to have them look at you like a solid solid person to to give money to. Because when a bank or a financial institution lends money to, to somebody That now becomes an asset for that bank or or that institution, and we as consumers don't typically think about it that way. So we just like when it's financial, tendency is just to have emotions really tied to it in our business because it's ours, right? We're the we're the um, what was I can't remember the term you just said, but like we're the investor, we're we're that financial backer there, and separating the the personal Emotional connection from that finance um, is is tough as a small business owner, but the faster you can do that, the the faster you can make decisions that are responses and not reactions. Because when yeah. something you count, it's really easy to just like respond emotionally, right? In that instead of using logic and data to drive decisions.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, emotion. Obviously, we are, we're all emotional and you should be emotional about certain things. But when it comes to money, you know, money has no emotion. Uh, it doesn't care if you had a hard day. It doesn't care, you know, that it snowed longer than it was supposed to and nobody's calling for, for pest control or whatever it is. So you've got to remove that for sure and make logical decisions um, and uh, yeah the bank bank banks are no joke right if you don't have your stuff lined up they're probably not gonna give you any money so
1: yeah. uh, numbers have to be there they, they think in the matrix like all the numbers and if the numbers aren't there and that you just think you're gonna be a good enough guy for the bank to give you a loan you can be pretty disappointed
0: at the end of that yeah so, what are some things that you've done to prepare yourself of dealing with banks because we all have to deal with banks buy trucks uh, buy a company whatever so um so one thing that i've i learned
1: a little bit more recently that i thought i was doing through um going to different brokers or investment People to help me understand finances, uh, but I realized that all, everyone was selling me something, right? So, um, like getting the knowledge behind it from a, a resource that isn't biased um, is something that about a year ago I started working with a financial coach um, just to really help me understand like how money works, um, and as businesses grow, understanding like how money works and how you can um make the data look right so that a bank can' like if you if you leave breadcrumbs the bank can't not validate giving you a loan right but we don't even know what the heck we're supposed to look like let alone what what APR or different interest rates and how how co-signatures impact your personal life like there's a lot there where we as a consumer who when we're not in that um, that world that, banking type of discussion. We think that the language that's used in banking and the language used like in regular English language, that the words mean the same thing, but they, they don't. There's like different definitions to these words within the, those communities um, and within that that world, the banking world. So just getting the understanding of what, like what you need to look like on paper to get what you're trying to get and right unless you're working with uh like someone you know personally that has that level of knowledge or, or you have taken the time to learn those things um through college or or whatever it, it's really hard to know what the heck the banker even is looking for um and how your finances are viewed by uh like a banker or a lender so sure uh, I had to learn some of those things the hard way um to be to be honest because for the longest time i was just uh paying cash for vehicles no debt none of that stuff and it was limiting for the growth of my business um yeah wasn't until i started realizing leverage and um using other people's money uh to help me grow my business like that yeah. little transition.
0: Kind of changed my world, really. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. If if you don't have the money yourself and you want to grow your company quickly, you're going to have to deal with either a bank or some type of outside money to get that done. Um. So yeah, super beneficial. I mean, there, there's. I I have talked to people before and they say, you know, uh, like you said, they're paying cash for everything. Um, there's no debt debt's bad. Um, you know, maybe they're taking some Dave Ramsey course or something like that, but they're not thinking, they're thinking about their personal life and not their business. And I don't really know enough about Dave Ramsey to have an opinion on him, but I know there's no way in hell our company would be what it is today without some form of debt. Um and we use all of the above we have shareholders that have put money in our company we have uh, banks um we've sold off assets which put money in our company so um and obviously we, we bootstrap things as well so we do everything and it's not bad it's not bad as long as you do some form of a. am not a financial guy by any means but You know, do some form of like projections in your company of what that's going to look like to make sure you don't break anything. So, okay, I'm gonna I need to buy two more trucks. It looks like two are breaking down. I paid cash for these. You know, what is that going to look like? How much money do I want to put down? What are my payments going to be? Well, what were what was my P and L the past three months? And let me go ahead and forecast that out for the rest of the year and see how that's going to affect my bottom line. And make sure i don't do anything stupid here um it doesn't take that long to figure it out if you have good financials Mm -hmm. and you really should have access to financials i don't know about you but when i first got started i didn't look at the financials until the end of the year or at the beginning of the following year so i mean i looked at the bank account you know when i made a deposit and saw the balance oh wow great okay we're doing good but didn't really understand what all was going on. And having access to uh, a P&L every month and your balance sheet gives you a really good indicator of where you're at and is there anything I need to change. Um, And that P&L tells a story. And I have had the opportunity to look at a lot of companies P&Ls because we're out there looking for businesses to buy and i think for me that's probably one of the most beneficial things we did even if we didn't buy anybody seeing a lot of different companies financials and getting in the habit of questioning every single line item on my PL. and i take uh pnls and i benchmark them against my company and i i think that our company has great performance so i take their company and i say okay what is their um, cost of supplies or materials, whatever, um, to their revenue, and what is ours? And if theirs is much higher than mine, well, I know that immediately this company can change certain things and uh, be a lot more profitable. Or maybe it's just wages. You know, there's companies out there that might be paying 50% commission on everything. And I look at that and think, That might be too high i don't know but it looks like that's too high um so you know just things like that i think it's really really good obviously if you're a smaller operator you don't have a lot of time to do these things but i promise you you have to make time to sit down and do these things otherwise things can get bad in a real hurry if you're not careful and going back to the banks if you don't have good financials ready to go and you need to go get a loan they're probably going to ask you for financials mm-hmm. so if you don't have them now you got to go rush and do all this um, and you should already have it ready to go yep well you you look when it's
1: ready to go you look the right way because right? you look you look like a business owner that understands what business is right not just somebody who needs money because when you need it, it's harder to get it. So when like getting lines of credit and things like that when it's not pressing or um, you don't like have to get it but having that access to it can help you get through the winter or other more difficult um, times in business. Like that's, that's important but understanding the financial component to it or having a subject matter expert to help you learn through it, because it, there's a lot to learn there. People go to college for that stuff. They study and, and spend a lot of time, and I don't think anybody in our industry has time to do all that, but figuring out the best way you learn and and getting a subject matter expert to help you with your, your particular financials um, will help you on your journey of becoming a financial person. Right. Because it doesn't happen overnight. And no matter what, there's going to be more to learn. So um, understanding that it's really that learning process and you're probably never really going to know it. But you got to be okay with just ongoing learning because that's what we have to do in order
0: for the progress to occur. Yeah, for sure. So I'm pretty sure I'm confident about this answer, but you read a lot, right? Yeah a lot how much do you how many books do you read a year about uh, business
1: so business personal development and like leadership that's kind of the type of books that i um enjoy but i i'm going for one a week this year um like in a pretty structured manner um if something i'm trying to do I've, i probably did it last year i probably somewhere around like 40 some books that um, I went through, but this year it's gonna be at least 52, probably more.
0: And how often do you read the same book more than once?
1: Um, pretty much every time. Uh, so frequently, and it might be a year later, it might be the same week, but um, when when you go through it again, gonna catch something you probably missed before right and I know for our generation a lot of a lot of people are listening and saying I don't have time to read Um, audible is a really powerful tool right the technology is allowing information to be consumed at a at a really high level Um, and so I can like using a a piece of technology like uh, audible or audiobooks that can consume massive amounts of information that I'm inputting into my brain and now allowing my brain to take whatever piece um, it sees that it needs and create a new opportunity to synapse and solve a problem that I currently have, right? Because there's new information coming in, which is creating more synapses within your brain. So I found when I don't read, when I don't get new input or information in and I kind of end up like swirling in this. um, I I feel stuck because like, I can't, I don't solve a problem or I don't like make a change um, for whatever reason. So like a couple of years back, I I really just found that when I am am consuming more information and actively learning that um, I can make decisions faster. And then I'm also growing in, in, Improving myself as a person so that I can be a better leader um, so that I can take care of the people who, who work in my company um, so like I, I Love learning. I, I fell in love with it early on in my life and um, People gotta be like to grow. You really gotta Do that Like it's all about like learning and adapting and if you're not bought into learning in general It's hard to do it well in your business
0: yeah, the gap between where you are and where you want to be is information. Mm-hmm. So taking that information, uh, you get there a lot faster. Um, I'm a big fan of Audible, too. I, I don't sit down and read books. I, don't, I just don't do it. And maybe that's just our generation, assuming we're close to the same age. I'm 35. But, uh, yeah, I listen to a book. About a book a week as well, and I'll listen to the same one three, four, five times sometimes, not over and over again, but like I'll be working on something and it might relate to that book, a situation, maybe a leadership situation or culture or finance, whatever. And I'll say, Okay, well, I know I gotta work on, you know, my twenty twenty two end of year financials and review everything. So maybe I listen to a finance book this week and go through it. So it's super fresh. And yeah, every time you read it, you'll pick up something that you missed out on. And I think that's definitely important. I didn't start doing that until after I was in business for four years. I was a horrible student. So Mm -hmm. I was like anti-learning probably because I had such a bad experience. And once I like found there's like so many business books and and, uh, self-improvement books out there from people that have actually accomplished things, that's when we really started to crank things and, and really start growing. Um, so super powerful stuff in, in those books out there. And it might not have anything to do with wildlife control. Most of them don't, but they have something to do with your business and business is business at the end of the day. You know, I call this the wildlife control podcast. because That's what it's focused on. But, you know, service industry is a service industry, you know, and it it is sometimes beneficial to talk to people in other industries, you know, it's like for us, HVAC companies, plumbing companies, uh, garage door companies, there's a lot of different industries that are similar to ours, you know, they might sell a lot of one-time services, but also have subscriptions. And, you know, you can get with those people as well outside of listening or reading the books and, you can learn a lot and you're gonna compress time by getting that information. Um, And you're not gonna have to guess. And I think that's where uh, another thing that, that I've done, I'm curious to see if you've done this as well, I think you have, but I've made it a habit where as often as possible, I'm reaching out to super successful people that are either in our industry or outside of our industry and I'm, I'm spending time with them, like in person, even if that might mean I have to travel to do that, just going and having lunch or breakfast or dinner with somebody um, or dropping by their office, whatever, and having these little short discussions about things. And it's always business related because that's what they do. So they want to talk about business. I want to talk about business. Uh, clearly, I don't get to talk about it enough, which is why I have this podcast. So <laughs> by by doing that you just get when you get around people that have just accomplished a lot more than you i mean that just fills my cup up and really motivates me to say okay we've done a little bit but we got a long ways to go and then i go back to the books again and 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 really put my head down and get to work but is that something that you've spent a lot of time doing
1: uh a lot of time doing um so i like that the pressing flesh and like the, the kind of iron sharpens iron getting around other people that are like-minded um it, like it's something that i identified in myself like that is the fastest way for me personally to learn right like that's i can ask a question to somebody i can get an answer and now my brain can move forward and in, in the the thinking process or the problem-solving process so uh, I've actually become like super intentional with it um, because I understand that I'm a really young business owner um, I don't really know Jack Diddley so in order for me to to be better be more be greater than I currently am I like being in proximity to, to people um, creates that opportunity for me to do that and um, like i've created um, a few mastermind groups uh in particular um one locally where it's with other uh service-based business owners and we meet on a regular cadence it's pretty structured and, and uh the goal is to um to get better at business and to grow our businesses and we all kind of have our little niches but um, the napoleon hill concept of, of a mastermind group is something that through my reading i, I, I like this concept kind of stuck out to me uh the the mastermind and then um i just started one i started one locally and i started one like um with with a group of other people within the pest control industry in particular so um that kind of group thought um and like a bunch of brains working together towards a particular goal um, with with focus, uh, helps everyone get there faster. Um, so that, like I've actively, and this is within the last probably 12 to 24 months that I started doing that. Um, like that's helped me immensely in my business. It, it's allowed me to dampen the learning curve and um, get, direct feedback from uh, somebody that's done more than I have. Uh, most of the companies that, that I meet with or talk with regularly um, are not smaller than me, that um, they're usually bigger th- than me. And if it's somebody that's, that's smaller, it's because they're reaching out to me because they think I can help them grow their company. And I I, will, I love that. Um, so to answer your question, yes, I've done that. and. Um, not just by accident like it's become incredibly intentional and um, I've made some of the some connections with people that have become some of the best friends that I have um, and like a, creating a community for yourself uh, allows you as a business owner to not feel like you're on an island because your wife doesn't want to talk about business all the time um, Your uncle probably doesn't want to talk about business all the time, nor are they going to give you the feedback that you really need to move the needle and grow. So, um, like the networking I did locally to get leads um, is where I kind of found some of that. And over time, just become more and more pointed and focused to um, help me drive towards my goals.
0: Sure. That's great so you guys are sitting at 20 people right now i know that you're growing because you tell me that you are we have a a ongoing challenge i think um you're kicking my ass though but uh (laughs) but what 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 are you trying to accomplish um like you know where do you see because i know you've already done this so you've already reverse engineered your goals probably for the next five So like what's next for Abracadabra? Um, So what's next?
1: Let me process that one a little bit. Um, So really my goals are to like on a personal level, my why, what drives me is uh, creating opportunity for people um, to grow themselves and and, uh, as a business owner, we have a really unique opportunity to touch a lot of lives. Through employing people and serving people and um, so my goal is to grow this thing as fast as I can um, and try to get the information um, that I need in front of me as fast as possible so that the speed that I can create can maybe take that goal I have in 10 years and make it be only two years and then I can do more right then I can touch more people Um, because like money is just a tool to do other things. And for me, those other things are impacting people on a on a level that matters, right? More than just killing their bugs or uh, helping me grow my company, but like impacting their children, um, their their family life, whatever that may be, like that's the shit that matters, bro. Um, so like five, 10 years, where like our goal for five, 10 years is to be 10 million probably in five years and um, through that I'll probably learn a a more focused goal for that 10 years but like I'd love to be at like 20 million in 10 years Um, multiple branches and things like that Uh, but like your life as a business owner changes and evolves as your business grows and that's something that I've had to learn recently is it's not just it's not a linear growth where your day-to-day stays the same your stress level stays the same there's different points in a business where cash flow changes because of the staffing needs that you require so now you go from making a really good living as a smaller business owner to actually oftentimes seeing like a dip in your personal income And that's hard for people to take and keep going and wanting to grow unless they understand that it's a step to get them to that that bigger picture you know and it was a kick in the gut for me when when we had to kind of go through that but um, working with people like Seth who's he's helped people scale their business he understands those kind of plateau areas Um, he's helped me learn how whatever we do in business has potential to impact me and my life and um kind of has helped me understand some of the things i might have to do in the future if i really want to do that uh and that's that's tough to learn without having a mentor or somebody there with you to kind of give you some guidance
0: yeah And for those who don't know who Seth is, Seth Garber, he runs Pest Daily um, and does consulting work and has a great online platform that we use with a lot of informative videos on there. But Seth's a great guy, very um, giving with his time. And that's actually where I met you, was at one one of his events uh, or his first event in Tampa um called Power and he had a lot of heavy hitters there talking. It was I think forty companies, forty people.
1: Uh yeah, it was um but I don't know for sure. I, I thought I was in the fifties including all the people that were speaking, but um yeah it was the best conferences I've I've been to. Um and I mean Seth is one of the greatest minds in pest control, I believe, um, uh, as far as like a business thinker. But he brought in, as you said, some heavy hitters where they're like, they're really freaking smart, dude. <laughs> like, yeah. Smart, and they have experience, and that that um, creates learning opportunity that like you can go and and make change back at home. You know, you can go and say, I'm going to take that. I'm going to do that. I think it's going to have this outcome because this person had a similar outcome and our businesses are similar, but at the end of the day, you can learn your ass off if you don't execute.
0: Yep. So, yeah. The, I was just going to say the speakers were great, but I actually liked the fact that it was smaller group of people because I had the chance to meet almost everybody and have a short conversation with them. I didn't get to talk to everybody because in between sessions, I was on the phone taking calls, but, um, it was, it was very good. It was very impactful for sure. And, um, you know, got to meet you, got to meet a lot of other people that will probably come on this podcast in the future and, uh, yeah, looking forward to his next event, which I think is going to be in Chicago. That's a bummer. bummer. Yeah.
1: (laughs) So I don't know if
0: I'll go to that, but I probably will. But anyways. Um, so 10 million in five years, short summary, how do you think you'll do that? Um,
1: recurring revenue makes it a lot easier. So uh, that, that, um, yeah. And and just, just, uh, the, the next real step for us where we're at is really building like a sales team rather than having everyone be salesmen. and just having a sales culture, like having somebody to really own that function of your business. Um, it allows you to, to like score massive accounts or get in with a different HOA or things like that because there's time to put the energy and focus into that specifically and for business growth you gotta sell stuff nothing happens until you sell it so um you gotta have that focus is is really where you can see companies just grow massively because um, once you get to a certain point there's not a lot um organizationally that you have to change as far as operations go like the operation and the service we we can do that right from the beginning as a one-man operator. But now it's creating a structure that as you grow, other people can go and do it in, in a similar manner. And if, if you do it right and create those systems and processes, then once you get to another point, it's all about, do you have the finances or the resources to continue to grow it, to, to put energy in or gas into the tank to, to have it keep growing? So um, we're... we're really focusing on building that that sales team now and um, learning through that whole process. Um, we've become like one of the larger companies locally. So now we've got to the point where we have, like we're a brand in the market and people know us um, and probably not scaling wildlife too much, having that as a tool, but um, that is a, it's a tough it's a tough one to do when it's just one-time services. Obviously there can be a, all the need in the world, but you gotta continually sell and always go out and kill something so you can eat it. Otherwise your business can go backwards really quickly. So that power of recurring revenue for a business creates predictable cash flow for you to then um, predict the outcome in a future month and make a decision earlier on so that you can um, grow more, right? If you have, so that forethought is so important to be able to do that. And um, I think Paul, like Paul talked about, um, Paul Giannamore. He talked about we talked about these goals and all these different things, but really, like strategy, business strategy is what we have to actually do. Um, and, and the time and thinking involved in coming up with real strategy for your business um kind of gets masqueraded as goals and um things like that nowadays w- without really knowing it so paul pointed that out and that was kind of a profound statement that he made i don't know if it was during the panel or or if it was during his actual talk but that was one of my biggest takeaways from that whole power conference
0: yeah no, um, I think your a sales team is way better than a hybrid salesperson that's selling and servicing for a lot of reasons, and one of which is they're hyper focused about one thing and they don't have any distractions um, as far as the work life goes to distract them away from selling. When you are a technician, that is responsible for sales and service you're going to find yourself at a crossroads every day and it's like a a moral crossroads a lot of times i remember um, spending a lot of time doing exclusion work and i get a snake call you know in florida we get a lot of snake calls so i'm in the middle of an exclusion job and this lady calls and she has like our snake plan. Hey, I've got a snake in the yard and this customer paid for exclusion and I'm supposed to get it done today and I'm already booked up the next week. So it's like, okay, what do I do here? And mm-hmm. unfortunately, ma'am, I have to leave. I have to go get the snake. And then now we're backed up even more and it just creates problems or a, a lead comes in, you know, for something and it's, it's a billable event. So, you know, I think taking all the positions within your company and having them hyper-focused on, you know, one thing, it just makes everything so much smoother across the board. Yep. And,
1: Specialists instead of generalists.
0: Yeah. Like
1: that Then you got a bunch of snipers instead of just like machine gun.
0: Right. Exactly. Are you the cartel or are you the army? So um i think i think that's really smart and yeah i think a lot of people probably don't put a whole lot of time in the strategy they just have a goal and they're like yeah we're going to do that and is that on paper did you type it out did you did you identify how much capital you're going to need did you identify where you're going to get the capital did you forecast all of this uh, on a financial, in your financials for the next 12 months or five years or whatever it is? And obviously, we're not going to get it right on the nose, but at least having a general idea of, of every step that you need to take, who's responsible for that step in your company and uh, what that's going to look like. Another thing that I think was really beneficial um, from the power event was organizational charts and that seems kind of silly like how does that grow my business well it really grows your business because if you don't have the right people at the right place and the right organizational structure you know even if you're small even if you have if it's just you and two people you know having an idea of what everybody's individual roles are and how that falls within the company is super important and I think sharing if you're if you are small and you're planning on growing whether you're at 10 people right now or 20 people or just 3 people showing them here's the organizational chart right now and then here's the one in 5 years and for them to see oh wow okay and obviously they don't really know if you're really going to get there or not but Some people that believe in you are going to say, all right, yeah, let's do this. And I want to be this guy who's what is this position right here that you have? And how do I become that person? And people, I think that's a really big culture shift for a company, for them to be able to see the future and know that, you know, the CEO of our company has these plans in place. He's super dedicated. He's in the office before than me. He's leaving after me. And he's getting stuff done and I can see it happening around me right now. So they start believing uh, in the company's future success and that's going to help retain employees and really help your company grow towards what that's going to look like. I think I'm a visual learner. And so that really, really um, uh, stood out to me when Seth mentioned that.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's. It's incredibly powerful um, for yourself as a business owner, but I think more so for your team because then, as you said, they can there's a next step in their in their work life for them, right? It's not like I'm here, I work here, and I don't know how I'm gonna grow here or or get more income or anything so they don't they don't have that motivation to do it internally, maybe so that's when people can go and start looking elsewhere. If they don't, if you're not giving an employee what they need to, to grow uh, or what they need to feel at work, then they're gonna go find somewhere else to work. And we're in a type of economy where everyone's begging for employees right now. So um, take care of your people and understand them um, and what drives each one of them and then understand your business and Where you need to be, you can kind of use those two things to guide the trajectory of your business. Um, But it takes a level of thought and time to go into it to even get to that level of thought. Um, It's because it's complex. It's difficult. It's um, trying to like see into the future almost. So. Like a a easier way to do that is like if you do want to grow finding a business who's done what more what you want to do right and then morph yourself into whatever they're doing right but if you're gonna try to do what they're doing at at your business size and slowly learn through all those stages and processes it's gonna take more time Um, instead of trying to morph yourself into a bigger company and then let the growth of your company catch up to to how you operate as a as an individual and as a team.
0: Yeah, definitely. You know, that's one of my arguments for growing your company is if you're big enough to where you have to have employees, those employees probably don't want to make the same wage the rest of their lives if they're going to stay there forever, right? So we also know that customer retention is tied directly to employee retention Um, and it's just going to be less stress on the business if you can retain people and and have some really good talent in your company but if you're not growing you can't offer those great people in your company more you can't do it you're going to eventually squeeze yourself out you know and I'm assuming if you're running a business, it's not just for fun. You're probably trying to provide for your family. So you, if you want to have good culture in your company and you want to have competitive pay and benefits, you have to grow. You don't really have a choice. You have to grow. So for you and your culture, and I looked at your website a little bit, it seems like you have some really great talent in there what do you think has been one of the most impactful things for your culture
1: um well we're a family-owned company and like we really we care about people as a whole so i think just that part but um like giving time to employees so they feel supported i think is is critical for retention i think uh, one theory i have in in business uh, is that um when stuff starts to go wrong uh, and there's issues with employees or, or whatever, it's because the, the one to ones aren't happening. Um, so, we, anyone that has a direct report at Abercadabra, they have weekly one to ones with their team. It's very structured, it's a set period of time during the week to um, have the manager show up and support that employee, right? Um, and it's our job as leaders and managers to like, be in a pyramid but we're at the bottom of the pyramid, not the top. So we have to support everything above us and we have to give that time to people so that you connect with them on a human level and then you can give them time and and try to be proactive um, with your support for them rather than waiting for something to go wrong or an issue to come up where you, you learn something crazy going on in somebody's life um, that makes them terminate their employment or, or whatever. But if you don't, you just wait for them to bring it to you as a leader or manager, you don't create that time. You're never going to get honest feedback from people because it's hard to have those conversations as an employee. Nobody wants to sound like they're complaining, right? People want to be good at work and they, they want to be valued. So that trust building through one to ones. Um, allows us to have a on like allows us to foster the culture and, and continue to build and, and grow each individual
0: and as a byproduct the team. Yeah, that's great. How often would you say you have one on ones? Every week. Um I mean my direct reports we have one on ones every
1: week. I try to um connect with other employees pretty frequently. Um and now Everyone's first reaction is "Oh, that takes so much time uh, Well, it takes a lot more time to deal with all these random issues as they come up throughout the day Because now your focus is taken away from whatever the hell you're working on so now you're wasting energy going like having to scramble and be in that chaotic state rather than trying to get in front of things and be proactive and just try to avoid those issues through communication. Um, yeah. Weekly, like for our techs and our managers, they, they do like 15 to 30 minute meetings, um, depending on it. And that's really just like phone call check-ins where that manager shows up, technician shows up, they build trust every time they show up for each other, right, they start to cultivate a, a relationship there. And then that technician can show up or should be showing up with, um, like some things to talk about, right? It's not we're here for the manager to talk talk at you as an employee, like that meeting's for the the person that's being managed, not the manager, right? It's for the, the technician or the manager you have if you're the, the owner of the company. Like it's not another meeting where you tell them what to do. And yeah. so that like, As I think about it, like those one-to-ones allow the people who really are your company to be part of the growth of your company because now they can bring their ideas and their um, experiences to the table and create change within your organization. And as, as your company grows, you become farther and farther separated from the customer that it's harder to know if a process you implemented is successful unless you get it from that boots on the ground
0: um, person. Right. Yeah, do you still go out in the field? Um not really.
1: Like my team's amazing and they like make it a point to not let me go out in the field. Um that transition for me from like getting out of the field was one of the hardest things I ever did. Um and like I'll I'll go out in the field to like there's usually intent behind it. It's not really because there's a fire that needs to be put out. It's because I, I wanna reconnect with the customer and just see how that's going or connect with the technician and just kind of cultivate a relationship. Um, you're always running out into the field as a owner. It's hard to elevate your thought process to, to the thoughts that re- are required to make business decisions rather than customer service decisions.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah, it's good to go out the fe- in the field before you have to, and then you'll never have to. Exactly. Um, so, no, super impactful. So we've been talking for about an hour and a half now, and I really respect your time and uh, appreciate uh, all of the things that you've said today. I think uh, a lot of people will find a lot of value in it. Um, is there anything that you want to close with? I'm just super grateful for you to bring me on. I hope
1: there's, somebody got some value out of it. Um, I like seeing other people grow and improve themselves and that's really my only goal for coming on here was to support what you're doing and and to hopefully have one person out there learn one thing from it. And and I think this would be a success um, and and a good use of both of our time if that happens. just thank you, Kyle. I appreciate it. You're doing something really powerful for people out there creating this, um, information exchange that can be a resource for people to
0: grow their business. Absolutely, man. Well, thank you again for your time. We'll stay in touch and, uh, have a great rest of your day. Thanks, Kyle. Appreciate it, man. Thank you. Thank you for listening to today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it. I just wanted to let you know, if you are running a pest or wildlife control business, my company Conserve would be really interested in acquiring your business. Even if you are looking to stay on and work in the business, whether it's part-time, full-time, still own equity in it passively, we can do things very creatively over here at Conserve. We'd love to talk to you. You could take some chips off the table or you could sell the whole thing shoot us an email, growth at conservemail.com. That email will be in the episode description. I look forward to hearing from you.